Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... It's not that they thought going to church was a good thing. It's that they realized that Jesus Christ invaded their life. He came to them. But being marginalized, being mocked out, all that contributes to the fear of not wanting to open our mouths. All that contributes to the fear of not wanting to stand for the truth, of not wanting to take a step of faith and talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter tells us here, you fight fear with Telling others about the new life you have found in Jesus can be intimidating. The reaction will very possibly be negative. Many people don't understand what Jesus offers and what He can do in their lives. Pastor Jim encourages us today to remember our own story or stories of those around us who are new Christians and give people time to understand. We simply need to plant the good news of Jesus and then have faith that Jesus will encourage the growth. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 with part one of his message entitled, Ready for Anything. Well, let me ask you, are you ready for what lies ahead in your life? How many of you are planners? Well, you know what? You can plan your life out, but you really never know what's going to happen, do you? So many surprises in life. You don't know how your health is going to go. You don't know how your family's going to go. You don't know how it's going to go with your friends your education, your career, your finances. I wonder as you sit here today, would you say your future is bright or your future is gloomy? And today we want to think about the question of will we suffer in our lives? The title of the message is Ready for Anything. Ready for Anything. The Apostle Peter is writing some 30 years after Jesus Christ lived, died, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. He's writing to churches in the area of what we know today as Turkey. And they are beginning to feel the pressure and the persecution from the Roman Empire. And he is preparing them for the future. Now, if you would not consider yourself a committed follower of Jesus Christ, today is one of those days where you're going to get some insider information. You're like, how do these Christian people talk about these things that go on in their lives? And so today's an insider information kind of a message. And oddly enough, the Apostle Peter is preparing these people for what we would call distinctly suffering as a follower of Jesus. Not the normal kind of suffering that we all go through. And we can take, certainly take some of the principles from that, uh, and we will today, but how you suffer as a Christian. Now, that might seem odd to you if you're not that familiar with the Bible because once you turn on television, some of these guys are, are just you know, putting out there that everything is rosy, everything is wonderful, there's never any problems because we kind of find ourselves in the church in America in sort of a, an age of Christian entitlement. If you want something, just name it and claim it. Or as I like to say, blab it and grab it, right? That's all you gotta do and it's going to... Uh, be yours. But the fact that people would have trouble seems very far from the message, which is one reason, even though thousands of people might flock to those places, the turnover is absolutely enormous. 
And sometimes when I hear people talk about the way life is and then the way it turns out with their expectations as Christians, it turns out it reminds me of a movie way back in 1980. Now, it was before I was a Christian when I saw it, so don't go home and say I endorsed it because I just remember one line from the movie. I don't remember anything else, and it's the movie Private Benjamin. In that movie, Goldie Hawn is sort of this prissy, rich girl, and what happens is she gets kind of sucked in by an army recruiter to join the army, and they do it by showing her pictures of all these nice places that the army's going to give you to live. And it's sort of like the message that a lot of people preach to, to, to Christians. And then she gets to reality. She gets to boot camp, and she's completely confused. She said this, I think they sent me to the wrong place. See, I did join the army, but I joined a different army. I joined the one with the condos and the private rooms. Well, today the Apostle Peter is going to send us to boot camp in terms of persecution or being mocked or ridiculed for our faith, but since that is probably less of what most of us experience, I want to make some general applications in being ready for anything. Now, we left off at verse 12, and Peter quoted King David, who lived hundreds of years before him just about a 1,000 years before him. And he had written this in a time of distress in Psalm 34. Peter quoted in verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Who are the righteous? Those are the people that have put their trust in God instead of themselves. And his ears, God's ears, are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, as we move into this next section, actually, this is the final section, or you could say that actually now Peter is beginning the letter. Everything up till now has been introduction. You know, pastors can be a little wordy sometimes. You're supposed to say, no, not you, Pastor Jim. Thanks. I thought you loved me. Okay, so this has really been sort of an introduction of what we've been doing, and I think this is our 10th message, so it took us nine Sundays to get through the introduction to what he really wants to talk about in terms of suffering in a world that is against Jesus Christ. And so today I want to look at three things or three relationships that we need in order to be ready for anything that are critical for us to understand what comes at us in the world. Uh, Number one, the first thing is the relationship between our fear and our faith. Between our fear and our faith. Look at verse 13 with me. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Some versions say this, eager to do good. Another version says, if you're committed. If you're committed to following Jesus. And in general, if you're someone who does good and and a do-gooder is okay, we're supposed to be do-gooders, right? If you're someone who does good, by and large, most people in the world will be okay with you. Just, you know, it's okay to go out and, you know, bless people in the neighborhood or in the community or something like that. But just keep that Jesus stuff to yourself. So that's what they don't want to hear, but they're fine with us kind of helping them out. Verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, okay, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Now, that verse I want to run through a little bit more slowly so we get the gist of what he is saying. He says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, what is he saying there? It's not the norm. It's possible it's going to happen. It's not the norm for it, but if it happens, right? And he's going to warn us, don't give in to the sensationalists. You know, the sensationalists who write all these books, these Christian books in the Christian bookstore, they will stop writing them if we stop buying them. 
okay? That the sky is gonna fall down, everything is going wrong, okay? And all of these different things that go on and, and, and we buy their books and we're just fueling the fire of it, okay? So he says, if you suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. That's probably not what you thought was gonna happen, was it? You're like, Pastor Jim, no wonder people go to the happy churches. I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. But a lot of it comes down to what we think of the word blessed, and we bring in an entirely American consideration to it, and we think of blessed as we're gonna get more money, a better car, a better house, a better marriage, the things that we might, or a better job, whatever it is. But when we think of blessed in the Bible, perhaps we do better to think of the word privileged or the word honored. That when we suffer for Jesus, he's saying you are privileged, you are honored. Remember the story of, we call her the blessed mother, the Virgin Mary. Here's a woman who's a teenager and comes back and tells everybody she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever tell you that one before? Okay, and so we said there's probably some ridicule that goes along with that. In fact, later on in Jesus' ministry, he was told that he was born of fornication, that we know that your mother lied to everybody else, but yet we call her the blessed mother. Why would we call that? Was she rich? No. Was she ridiculed? Well, probably yes, but she was privileged. She was honored by heaven to suffer and to live for God, okay? And so then he quotes Isaiah 8. He says, and do not be afraid of their threats. Some version says, have no fear of them. So who are they? Who are they that they would be afraid of? Well, in their context, it would be the Roman authorities. If you're into the whole conspiracy thing here in the United States, you're like, oh, it's the government. You know, they're, they're watching everything they're doing. I actually hope they're listening right now. Jesus loves you. Repent and believe the gospel, okay? So and people are so afraid that people might be listening in. Some people are now afraid of something new. You know what I'm talking about, right? The empire is gone, but the first order is here right now. And all the Star Wars fans are waiting for the next sequel to see what happens. But most of us, who are we afraid of? We're afraid of the people that we work with, right? Maybe some of our friends when they start to mock us for our faith or our family. And then he says, nor be troubled. And then at the beginning of verse 15... We'll come back to this verse later. He gives us the key. He says, but, that's a word of contrast, the way of fighting this fear of suffering, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. The way to fight fear is to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now, Peter's goal is not to make us feel bad. What he is saying to us is, when things get tough, breathe, breathe. Don't overreact. Think. What has the Lord taught you already? Don't let your mind default to fear. So we fight fear. We fight the stalker known as suffering, okay, by being eager to do good, by being continuing and following the Lord Jesus. Now let's admit this, right? Things are usually not as bad as we think, are they? Do you ever think something was really bad and your mind just races ahead of you? Or am I the only one who does that? We all do that. And so we must remember what we saw in verse 12 already, that the Lord is watching his people, that the Lord is listening, that the Lord will judge evil. And sometimes to be great in the kingdom of God 
we're going to need to suffer for God. Now, I know a lot of us don't like to equate greatness with suffering, but, you know, that even works out in our world. So at the end of the Super Bowl, who's truly great, the guy who practiced his whole life to be the MVP of that game or the person who sat on the couch and ate too many of those little hot dogs and goes home with a bellyache? Well, of course, the one who suffered in training for greatness. And that principle is the way it is in the kingdom of God as well. So when we get into trouble, what do we need to do? We need to preach to ourselves the faithfulness of God. We need to ask ourselves what the Apostle Paul did in Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? John Knox, who led the Protestant Reformation in Scotland in the 1500s, said this, with God on his side, man is always in the majority. Now, for most of us, we don't really experience what we would call persecution, you know, the kind that they did in the Roman Empire. Remember, we said in the book of Philippians that, you know, they would feed people to the lions. If you said Jesus is Lord, that meant Caesar wasn't, and you could be brought up on charges for sedition. You could get the death penalty. It's not that we're persecuted. More of us, we find ourselves being marginalized by people we know, by being ignored, by being tolerated, if you will. And you say, well, how does that work itself out? You know, if you like to talk to people in your family about Jesus, you're probably only invited because of your last name. They probably really don't want you there. But they're like, oh, gosh, the fallout if we don't invite them. Why? Because you know that you're being mocked behind your own back. How do you know that? Because you used to do it. <laughs> right? Especially if you're a later life convert like I am, you used to make fun of Christian people. Until what? Until the grand event when Jesus Christ invaded your life. If you're not a Christian, again, I'm a follower of Jesus. Again, you are most welcome here. But let me just briefly explain to you, that's really what happened to your friends who followed Jesus. It's not that they wanted to be religious. It's not that they thought going to church was a good thing. It's that they realized that Jesus Christ invaded their life. He came to them. But being marginalized, being mocked out, all that contributes to the fear of not wanting to open our mouths. All that contributes to the fear of not wanting to stand for the truth, of not wanting to take a step of faith and talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter tells us here, you fight fear with faith. Now we said it before, we'll have to continue saying it over again in 1 Peter. Don't confuse suffering for doing good with earning your suffering. You say, how do you earn your suffering? Uh, by being unfaithful, right? If you're late four out of five days to work this week and the following week your boss calls you in and says, we need to talk about your lateness. Don't be like, I'm suffering for the gospel. You're not suffering for the gospel, okay? You were late. You were late. This is that time of the day when it happens. People go, I was late because I had to shovel my driveway. Hint, get up an hour earlier. Just a thought, just a thought for some of us, okay? Peter's teaching us that if you suffer for doing the right thing, and in the United States, that's often for telling decent people that they need a savior, for telling decent people that they need to have their sins forgiven, he says, you are blessed by God, okay? You're privileged to do that. Who was mocked by people? Jesus. You are honored by God to be put in that situation. Now you say, well, I don't like the Apostle Peter. I'm a fan of Jesus. Okay, great. Peter totally ripped this off from Jesus. 
remember we said Jesus' message was the apostles' message. Matthew 5, 11, and 12. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Verse 12. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. I don't know about you, but that's not my first impulse. When people are insulting me, I'm like, oh, rejoice, I'm exceedingly glad, right? I, that, that's not, sorry, I know you're more spiritual than I am, but that's not saying much. Don't think you're so great, okay? Verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So notice Peter says, when you suffer, do not be afraid. Do you realize that that just might be the most common command in the Bible? is not to be afraid. Anybody give a guess why it might be the most common command in the Bible? Because we tend to be afraid. He says, nor be troubled. Now, part of that is not to be afraid of the people who are persecuting you, but also I think part of that is, and this is very easy for Americans, to get sucked into being afraid of the same things that everybody else is afraid of being sucked into the doomsday things of that are going around us and how everything is rotten all the time and everything's no good. And we, above all people, are people who have hope. Let me just tell you something interesting. You may not find it interesting, but after almost 11 years of doing this here at the church, I could just turn myself off from media entirely and not let anybody talk to me about anything And all I do is I have to look at the monthly giving of this church and I can tell you how the stock market is doing. Because what happens is when the stock market goes way down, people begin to pull back because they're no longer trusting God to provide for the future, which, listen, if it's going to crash, it's going to crash, whether the thing goes through the roof or just is always down or something like that. And each time we give to the Lord, we are saying to him, I'm trusting you with tomorrow. I'm trusting you to take care of me. Now, for those of you who are working the stock market, do you realize that if we could have the people decrease their giving before the stock market went down, how much money we could make? It's called shorting the market. Oh my goodness, we would all be billionaires. So maybe we'll think about that and pray that God would do that for us. But anyway, you can make correlations in some of these things. Peter's teaching us suffering, trials, setbacks, uncertainty are inevitable. It is coming to all of us, and a deep faith brings sanity to the insanity. A continual faith in Jesus Christ will particularly help you. If you're, are you one of those people you're just worried that the rug's going to be pulled out from you? You're like, oh, it's going good. Oh, it's not going to last, right? It'll help you if you're someone who's easily intimidated or if you're fearful. I know a lot of times people say like, oh, I go to talk and... I just can't do it. I'm not like you, Pastor Jim. Let me tell you what it sounds like to me as I'm talking to you. It feels like somebody took a staple gun and took my tongue and put it to the roof of my mouth, and I'm going like this. That's natural. That's the way it is for all of us. Interestingly enough, here he quotes Isaiah 8, and the early church knew the Old Testament very well. Those were the scriptures that they were taught with. And what happens there is the people of God in the southern kingdom, the the kingdom had split, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, are surrounded by the northern kingdom in Syria. And Isaiah says this, fear the Lord, don't fear them. Fear the Lord, don't fear them. And often in the Bible, fear and faith are equated to one another. That's what Peter means here when he says at the beginning of verse 15, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. 
Exalt the Lord God in your hearts. Magnify him. Stand in awe of him. Fear him, not the enemies. Put your trust in him, not in the ways to get in and out of your troubles. And what will happen? You will find sanctuary for your soul. You will find rest for your weary heart. Now, I know a lot of you have heard the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and Bonhoeffer was really a hardcore guy. So this next quote, you're going to be like, oh boy. But he's really hardcore. But as he applied this, God began to show him certain things. And he was a German pastor who worked inside Germany against Hitler and against the Nazis. And he said this, those who are still afraid of men have no fear of God. And those who have fear of God have ceased to be afraid of men. Jesus put it this way. And he ripped it off from Jesus. And do not fear those, Matthew 10, 28, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So when we combine the fear of the Lord, okay, with the blessings, the honor, the privilege that is promised, it lowers our fear and it builds our faith. So in getting ready for suffering, if we are doing that or we're intending to do that, uh, we want to be ready for anything. We must, again, look at the relationship between fear and faith. Number two, we need to look at the relationship between our heart and hope. Our heart and hope. Now, verse 15 is actually several sermons. Don't worry, I won't give them all today, maybe four or five, but I won't give them all. And so we're going to try and look at it in terms of the context of, of what Peter is saying here because there's been a whole industry, the apologetics industry, which we'll talk about in a second, has really latched onto this verse. And there's some good points to why they would do that. And maybe we'll come back to that and revisit it another time from that framework. But we'll try to stay in the context of suffering persecution. He says, verse 15, we read this already, but in other words, when fear and faith are challenged, right? And he looks it at the heart and hope level, but solution, the path, sanctify, some of your versions say honor, some say revere, the Lord God in your hearts. Another version says, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. J.B. Phillips in his paraphrase says this, simply concentrate on being completely devoted to Christ in your hearts. So we are to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and always be ready to give a defense. That's a legal term, you know, a defense attorney. It's the word apologia, where we get apologetics. Doesn't mean you're apologizing. Oh, sorry, I'm a Christian. No, that's not, that's not what that is, okay? Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks. So it could be in the courtroom, but it could be anywhere else. To everyone who asks you, a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Some versions say gentleness and respect. Now the debate is, is it meekness and fear towards God or towards the people you're talking to? To which I would say, well, yes. We need to understand that we are representing God, but we also need to understand that we are talking to people and we need to be respectful. So to sanctify is to set something apart. It is to make something holy, right? But God is already sanctified, right? God is already set apart. He is already vastly different than we are. He is already holy. So what is Peter getting at? He's saying to us, we must, as a church, We must individually sanctify, set apart the Lord God in our own hearts for who he is. Now, this is a determined practice. This is something we regularly have to do. The Lord taught us this. The Lord Jesus taught us this in the Lord's Prayer, right? 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus is what doing? He is sanctifying, okay, setting apart the Lord God in his heart. It is the confidence that we have that the Lord is good and the Lord is in control of the events of our lives. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website, changedbyloveradio.com? That's changedbyloveradio.com. Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching from the book of 1 Peter with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.